Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. I've got one verse that I'm going to read tonight, and I'm going to need your help, all right? I'm going to need, I'm going to need an amen corner on all sides of the church tonight. I'm going to need the help of the church tonight. The book of Exodus chapter number 32 book of Exodus chapter number 32 and verse number 1. 32 and verse number 1. That's something that I miss, Pastor. Something that I miss deeply is hearing those pages turning. I love it. I love it. Hallelujah. Bible tells us that when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him." Up, make us gods. Aaron, make us a God of our own preference. Make us a God that is on our terms. And so that's what I'd like to preach to you tonight for a little while with the help of the Holy Ghost. A God on my terms. A God on my terms. Let's pray one more time. I feel, I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost here tonight. Let's pray together. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful for what is, is moving and, and stirring in this house right now. I pray, Jesus, that you would be glorified above all things tonight. That, Lord, we would help and continue to lay aside every weight and distraction, every hindrance tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak a word into this house. Speak a word to MPC tonight, Lord, that will traditionally them into the future. Lord Jesus, that will pull them into that holy place tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Clap your hands one more time. Give God some praise. He is so good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. The book of Exodus Uh, it's in the name of the book, what the book is about. But uh, the famous story of the children of Israel, some two million children of Israel that have been held in captivity for 400 some odd years. And um, the same as I kind of mentioned Sunday about Columbus is kind of how I feel about this story with the children of Israel. There there are... uh, 
I believe it's not in scripture, but that maybe in that 400 year span, um, what did not start out as slavery, what did not start out as bondage, as it, as it began to move in that direction and the taskmasters were set and the whips were applied and the hard labor was given, um, that these children of Israel knew that there was still a promise. They all the while knew that, that even in our bondage, even in the time of us being slaves, there was a promise given to Abraham. There was a promise handed down to Isaac and a promise handed down to Jacob. And, and, and we, 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 we've got this promise available. And, and maybe that mamas and daddies, even at nighttime, would tell bedtime stories to the children of Israel, to their children, and let them know I know when we wake up in the mornings that we've got work that we've got to do and that we've got chains and, and we're eating out of meat pots and things look rough right now and, 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 and all, all of this that's happening, the, the, the oppression that we are in. But, but baby, what I need you to understand tonight is that there's still a promise. I need you to know that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises and that we still believe that there's going to come a day where the Lord is going to come back for us and he's going to deliver us from bondage and only to be disappointed that every morning they woke up, they went right back to slavery, right back to the whips and the taskmasters until finally the Lord decided that it was time. The Lord decided after 400 some odd years, it is, it's time for me to bring my people out of captivity, out of the land of Egypt, and I'm ready to deliver them to that promise. I'm ready to lead them and to guide them in the right direction and to get them into that promised land. I've always felt that what happens in Egypt to release the children of Israel was not so much as a punishment to Egypt as much as it was proof to the children of Israel that God desired them, that God wanted them. I may be, that all, all of this may be happening to the Egyptians, these plagues that I'm going to send and, and the boils and the frogs and the locusts and, and the fleas and, and, and everything that happens. I, I, I know it may seem as if this is a punishment to Egypt for what they have done, but, but I really need the children of Israel to know that I'm willing to shift nature itself to prove to them how much I want them, how much I desire them, how much I really want them in that promise. I'm willing to do extreme things to prove to them that I want them. And we do know according to the scripture as the plagues begin to take place, I, I believe these children of Israel are sitting back and they're watching all of these mighty acts of God. Things that we've never seen in our time that the children of Israel are watching with their own eyes as God begins to call fire and hail from heaven and the Nile River turns to blood, but it wasn't just the Nile itself. It was all of the water in the entire nation of Egypt in every pot and every vessel was turned to blood. They, they watched as God himself intervened and interjected himself into this world to prove to them, I want you out of bondage. I want you free. And the ultimate plague of all, the very last plague, the death angel is, is called and brought into Egypt and the children of Israel are told that 
If you want your child to live, you better go slaughter a lamb and you better take that blood and apply it to that doorpost to let that angel know that we are a household of God. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. I, 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 I don't want that death angel taking my child. Just go on down the street to the Egyptian living down that way and the cries of the children that died that night, the cries in Egypt and yet the, the children of Israel were still living like normal. They still had their children and they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt this is what we've been waiting for this is the moment we've been waiting for God has finally come our God has finally come to set us free Pharaoh finally lets God's people go they get out and they get to march and they get to moving forward some two million individuals leaving Egypt and going towards that promised land not only were they seeing the acts of God that happened in Egypt, but, but they get to see a, a pillar of fire that, that, that is, is guiding them and leading them, a cloud by day that is guiding them and leading them. And, and they make it to the Red Sea. And all that time, after seeing God do those extraordinary things right in front of them, they get to the Red Sea and, and that, that doubt begins to creep in, that discouragement that says, well, this is where we're gonna die. God got us out of Egypt just to get us to the Red Sea. Sea and put us in an impossible situation and now we're just going to have to stand here and let Pharaoh come up to us and kill us because the enemy is on our heel right now. God, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? And, and the Lord tells Moses, I want you to go and to stretch out your rod across that sea and I'm not going to just make a way. The way was already there. I'm going to reveal the way for you to get to the other side. And as Moses stretches out his rod, the impossible becomes possible and the waters begin to divide and the mucky ground underneath begins to turn to dry ground and some two million children of God begin to walk across an impossible situation. God delivering them once more, proving to them, I want you, I'm desiring you. I want you to come near to me. I want you to make it to your promise. I want you to make it to the land flowing with milk and honey uh, and I'm going to do everything I can to get you there. I'm not expecting you to do it by yourself. Uh, I'm not going to put you in the place where you've got to do it all alone but I'm going to be with you. How many are thankful we've got a God on our side. You've got a God on your side tonight. The children of Israel as they begin to walk across that dry ground and and I'm thinking they're walking through and they get on to the other side and, and here comes Pharaoh's army thinking that they've got, they've got the ability to do the same thing as the children of Israel. They start, they start running them chariots out there on that dry ground and the Lord looks down and says, now wait a minute, that was their way, that's not your way. That's not for you, that was for my children. You're not going to the promised land. And all of a sudden when that last children, oh, child of Israel steps off of that dry ground, the waters begin to fold back in and the Lord washed away Pharaoh's army into the deep. Thank God he can deliver and he can help me destroy the adversary. He can deliver me and help me destroy the enemy that is on my tail. 
As the children of Israel reach the other side, they break out the tambourines. It's time to dance. It's time to shout. It's time to worship. Look at what God has done. Look at where he brought us from. Look, look, at, look at how he has moved heaven and earth so that I could be delivered and I could be set free. Not only does it stop there, they, they march from that point up to Mount Sinai. And between that time, they got manna. They got vanilla wafers falling down from heaven. Thank God. I don't know if they made no banana pudding with it, but they had the wafers. That's what mattered. And they got water coming out of rocks. My Lord, God is trying to show them, I'm with you. Just trust me. Keep following me. I'm leading you the right direction. I just need you to hold on a little bit longer. You're in the right way right now. You're going the right direction, but you just got to trust me. You got to hold on until we get there. And after all of these mighty acts of God, after all of these powerful things took place, the children of Israel had no reason not to believe, had no reason to doubt, had no reason to think that there was no God on their side. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Can I put it this way? Revival after revival, breakthrough after breakthrough, shouting after shouting, rolling in the floor after rolling in the floor, move of God after move of God after move of God after move of God. All of this accrued and all of this was evidence that God was with us and all of this was the children of Israel. I, I, I hate to say it this way, but I think that they were just entertained by this. They were, they were entertained by the acts of God because when they reached the mountain, when they got to the mountain. God then begins to tell Moses, I need you to hold everybody at the bottom for just a little while because I need to talk to you for a minute, man of God. I need you to come up to the top of the mountain and me and you's gonna talk for a minute. I need you to tell them not to touch the mountain, don't get around the mountain, don't climb the mountain, don't even look at the mountain. I need you to tell them they need to sit there for a minute and they need to wait so that I can pour some word into you so that I can put some vision into you so that I can instill some authority and dominion and power into you. It was seven chapters, seven chapters that Moses was on the mountain beginning in chapter number 24 all the way up to where we are right now in chapter number 32. There was seven total chapters. I, I would think that two million people that have only ever known slavery are going to need some law and some rules. Because liberty and freedom without law and order is chaos. God said, I want you to come up and we're going to take some time here for a minute because those people down there, as much as I love them, as much as I want to see them healed, as much as I want to see them delivered, as much as I want to see them in their promise, I've got to make sure that they're aligned with my word. Oh, Lord Jesus. I've got to make sure that they're aligning with the word and I'm going to need that man of God that led them out of the bondage to come up a little higher because me and him's got to talk. I've got some laws I'm going to instill in him that are going to save my people. I've got some law that I'm going to instill in him that are going to traject them into the promise and launch them into that next level and take them to a place that they've only ever heard stories of. But I've got to visit with the man of God for a minute and I need the saints 
I need. I need the children. I need those, those that may not be in ministry, those, those that may be in ministry, but they're not the, the man of God leading the people. I need them to wait down at the bottom of the mountain for just a little while so that I can talk to Moses. As Moses goes up to the mountain, he gets up there and God's talking to him. Everything looks great. Everything sounds great. The previous chapters, God's just laying this out there for Moses. This is what I need you to do. I, will, I need you to tell him this. I need this law. I need that law. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You know, honestly, I'll, 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 just, enter, I'll just throw this in here right here. This world, this nation alone would be doing a whole lot better if people could just simply live by the commandments. That law was given to Moses and was, was intended to turn around and give to the people. But as Moses is up on the mountain, God speaking directly to him. Down at the bottom of that mount, there was a people that were growing impatient. There was a people that started twiddling their thumbs, started getting restless. After everything that we've seen, after all the mighty moves and acts of God, and, and that momentum that had built up, all of a sudden now you're expecting us to sit and wait? I don't think that that's right. I think that it's God's responsibility to keep acts moving and to keep miracles happening and to, to keep us having, having services where we're rolling in the floor and we're running the aisles because if that, if, if that ain't happening, I'm not amen in the pastor. If that's not happening, I'm just not gonna come to church for a few services. If that's not happening, I'll just watch it at home because that's, that's, that's the same concept as if I go and sit on the pew and do nothing. I can just watch it from home until something exciting happens in the church and then I'll come back. But, but, but now you're telling me that, that Moses is up on the mountain and you're expecting me to sit in a season of waiting. After everything that has happened up to this point, now you want me to wait. Pastor, it didn't take a charlatan coming into the camp trying to convince these people that they, they, should, they should build their own idol. It didn't, take, it didn't take some heathen tribe coming in and, and convincing them that the best thing they could do is just, just create their own God and worship their own God. All it took was them getting bored. All it took was them getting bored with how church has gotten. All it took was them getting bored with the fact that we ain't having those throwdown services every time we're in the church. All it took was them getting to the place where, where, where they, 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 they got restless and impatient waiting for the, the man of God to do his job. I need you to do what you're supposed to do and excite me because if you're not exciting me, then you ain't doing your job, my Lord Jesus. I already feel like I'm all in somebody's egg basket right now. Oh, Lord, I'm waiting for the pastor. I'm waiting for that preacher. I'm waiting for the worship team to do what they're supposed to do to keep me interested in what's happening because if they're not, then I'm sitting on the pew and ain't nobody keeping me interested. I'm gonna find somewhere else to go that I can be interested. I'm gonna plug myself into another outlet that does entertain me. Preacher, you need to learn. You need to learn how to do like what God did back here and keep me entertained. Musicians, 
worship team, singers, uh, y'all better pick it up a notch because if you're not doing it and I'm not feeling it, uh, then I'm gonna find somewhere else to go. And if I don't find somewhere else to go, I'm just gonna hang out on the pew and you ain't gonna see me lift my hands. You ain't gonna see me get out of my chair. You ain't gonna see me worship. You ain't gonna see me shout nothing uh, because you've gotta learn how to do your job better. Children of Israel sitting down at the bottom of the mount. And it always intrigued me how they come to Aaron and they say, make us a God. You know, we've, we've come all this way at, at this God's pace. His pace has been what we've been going by. And we've done all of this on his terms. We've, we've followed his rules all the way up to this point, And now, now we're just sitting here nothing's happening. Why don't, we, why don't we make us our own God that we can control? Why don't we, we manufacture our own idea of a God that will let us do what we want to do and less of a God that tells us what he wants us to do? A God that we can set our own pace with and our own terms with. And all of a sudden in the camp, they go around and start collecting all their, their gold jewelry and earrings and they bring it and, and it's always been weird to me. They just take it and they throw it in this fire and out pops a cow. I, I, I like to think about it like this. If I was to ask Hensley, my, my four-year-old, to draw me a cow, that's probably what it looked like when it came out of the fire. Had some rough edges. It may have looked like a mix of a kangaroo and a zebra. It, didn't, it, it might not have looked exactly like what they wanted it to look like, but, but it's amazing how much dissatisfaction we will deal with in our idols as long as we think that we're the ones in control. It's amazing how much dissatisfaction we will handle with our idols in our life as long as we're the ones that are on, on the, that hold the, the control button and the remote to set everything the way we want it to be. I, I'll handle those rough edges. I'll, I'll handle that incomplete portion of that idol because at least I know that I'm in control. They shape and they form this idol and the whole time, the whole time that all of this is happening at the bottom of the mount, shaping this idol, building a God that will do what they want it to do, that will let them live how they want to live. I'm tired of that God telling me that I gotta separate myself from the world. I'm ready to make a God that says it's okay to do what I wanna do and that I can still be saved. They're down at the bottom of the mount shaping and forming this and the whole time that their hands are at work building this idol, their man of God is still on the mountain trying to get a word for them, trying to get a word from the throne to take to them and to tell them, let's go on to the promise now. Now that we've got the word, now that God has spoken, now that he's anointed me for the next level that we're going to, let's move forward and let's go. But instead, they got so bored waiting. They got so bored waiting for Moses. This boredom that I'm talking about, I've seen it in church so much here lately. This spirit of boredom that has just swept through Pentecost Amen. where we resort more to performance than we do prayer. Because as long as, as long as we can perform, we can at least have something happening. But don't nobody want to put the prayer time in. Don't nobody want to get down on their knees and put the prayer time in that's, that's going to actually move God. Because that just, I'll be honest with y'all, we've been to some places 
I'm gonna get in trouble with live tonight. I ain't gonna mention names, hallelujah. We've been to some places where we walked in and the Holy Ghost started setting in that room. The Spirit of God got so heavy and all that would have had to happen was they could have just stopped all the music, put all the microphones down and we would have had an encounter with God that that church may have never had before. But all of a sudden I began to feel this tension in the church where the leadership was getting upset because God chose the wrong time to come into his own house. We, we, we have learned how to have so much good church and push God out of every bit of it because we don't want to wait at the mountain for the pastor, for the man of God to get a real word. We don't want to wait at the bottom of the mountain for a little while longer while the Lord sets some things in order for the revival that he's trying to get going. What should have been happening at the bottom of the mountain instead of them getting bored and shaping their own idol, they should have been on their knees praying, God, talk to our man of God give him a word that we need right now in this hour God speak to my man of God the boredom that I'm talking about it's not a boredom of of a lack of busyness because I'm gonna tell you right now right here in Medora I gave you the demographics Sunday night This town has roughly 630 people in it. I don't see 630 people in this church. There's enough work to be done in this one city right here to keep everybody in this room busy for the next five years. The boredom that hits us while we're serving God has nothing to do with a lack of busyness. It's a lack of interest. It's a lack of being interested in the things that the kingdom has to offer It's a lack of interest in going out and doing a Bible study. It's the lack of interest in coming to prayer meeting. It's a lack of interest in knocking on doors. It's a lack of interest in that person at the dollar store that walks by me that smells like marijuana. And I don't want to tell them about Jesus because I got too much going on at home. I got to get back to what I'm doing. It's a lack of interest in the kingdom. I'll break it down like this. When I was growing up, if I went into the house, I was raised on a 62-acre farm with a creek back behind me that had crawfish and snakes in it, all kinds of possibilities and fun things to do. Cows up on the farm, springs everywhere that I could have went and explored, mountains, hills on the back of the farm that I could have climbed. And if I ever walked into the house and told mama that I was bored, she'd look at me and she'd say, son, it ain't got nothing to do with you being bored. You're not interested in doing anything that's available for you to do. That's exactly where we are right now in 2023. The reason our churches seem like we are are spiritually anemic is because we've lost interest in the spiritual realm and the sacrifice and the consecration that gets us to that next level. My Lord, we get to that season of waiting and we sit on our pews. My Lord, I promise you, I love you tonight. I just feel the Holy Ghost telling me this. We reach the place where instead of us pressing ourselves out of our comfort zone, We're just going to sit back and wait for pastor to spark the revival. We're going to sit back and wait for the evangelist to spark revival. And the whole time the Lord is wondering who the next person's going to be that says, God, move on the preacher. Move on the pastor. Stir us up, God. Even though we're in a season of waiting, stir us up, God. Unfortunately, Lord, help me. I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, God. We've got everybody, including myself, everybody, everybody, every human, every, 
Every human being has this impulse in, in us to control things. Wives, don't look at your husbands. Husbands, don't look at your wives. This, this impulse that was, that was placed in us, the very first thing man ever heard was what I preached Sunday night. The very first words man ever heard in their ear was let them have dominion. That control impulse, that governing impulse has been in us since the dawn of creation. And the problem is sometimes we let that control get out of hand and seeps into the church. We, we start trying to control and, and manipulate the atmosphere. We start trying to control the ministry. We start trying to control the worship. I've been in churches where, where it was one single person sitting in the pew whose spirit was locking down the church because they were the ones that felt that they were in control. They were the ones that put the lockdown on everything that was happening in the church. And it was all because of a root of bitterness that they had. A root of bitterness that had turned them into some dark ways. And they would sit on that pew and they'd sit back there with their arms folded. And they'd look at all the ministry and the worship team. And that spirit that was seeping out of them was affecting everybody around them. All they wanted to do was be able to control I read a study, I guess it was last year I read a study. The, uh, anybody in here, when you ride elevator, you get on an elevator by yourself, it's late at night and you're going to your hotel room and you gotta go up six, six stories, seven stories and you get in that elevator, nobody's there, it's just you. And you don't want some weirdo getting on the elevator with you. What's the first thing you gonna do? I found it interesting. One of the studies showed that only 60 to 70% of those buttons in the entire United States actually have a functionality. The rest of them are called placebo buttons. It's buttons that are placed there to give you the psychological effect that you're in control of the timing of the door. That as it is closing... You're, you're sitting there and you're, you're just pushing the button and thinking that you're the one that's controlling that door. But in reality, the door is on its own time and no matter how hard you hit it, no matter how many times you hit it, if you knee it, if you kick it, no matter what you do, that button's not got a functionality. It was placed there to make you feel like you're in control. In New York City, I believe there was somewhere in the vicinity of 1,000 to 2,000 streetlights and the crosswalk signs. And over half of those crosswalk signs, the button that every biker pushes to hurry up and turn that light so that they can make it across have no functionality. They were placed there in the city to give all of the citizens, all of the users, the effect that they were the ones controlling it. There was even one study done. There's a CEO of a company. He had a couple of employees that were just complaining, complaining, complaining about the temperature in the office. They were just pitching a fit. One of them was coming in saying, it is freezing cold in this office all the time. And the other one come in, I'm burning up. I'm so hot. Can we please turn some air on? <clears throat> Finally, the, the manager, the CEO, got tired of hearing it. And so he called the heating and air company and told them to come in and to place some thermostats in. And so they come in and 
And he told them, I want, I want one over here by this dude and I want one over here by this dude. So the HVAC company comes in, they put the, the thermostats in and they leave. The CEO never connected them to anything. <clears throat> Stuck them on the wall and put a battery in the back. But he never heard another complaint from either one of those employees. Because all they really wanted to do was to be able to control the atmosphere. All they really wanted to do was be able to have control of their environment. Unfortunately, the children of Israel, as they got to the bottom of the mountain, that was all they were after. We were thankful for everything good that's happened up to this point, but I think now the best thing for us is that we, we begin to move in the direction of being able to control church the way we want it to be that we begin to control the music and, and the settings and everything the way that we want it to be. I, I, I'm telling you tonight, the last thing that we need in this generation right now and the revival opportunity that is on the up, that is on, on, just, just right off of the edge of where I feel MPC is right now is to come in with an expectation that we can just simply control the church and we can control what pastor's preaching and we can control the atmosphere and we can control the outcome of every service because we already know in our mind what's gonna happen before we even get there but instead I've got to come in with an expectation that God is going to take control and that he's the one going to perform and he's the one that's going to do the work Lord I'm not coming for entertainment I'm not coming for somebody to tickle me fancy what I'm coming for is to get my family to the promise I'm coming Lord Jesus because my family needs deliverance I'm coming because we need a miracle I'm coming Lord because you've been too good to me. I want you to take over the service, God. I want you to take over completely if we don't sing another song, if we don't have the preacher preach tonight. Lord, we want you to have your way. We'll throw the schedule out. We'll throw the itinerary out. We'll throw out all of our expectations and we're just going to let you have control because ultimately, God, we need revival on your terms, not on our terms. I need a miracle on your terms, not not on my terms. I need a financial breakthrough, not on my terms, but on your terms. Lord, I want to see my family saved, not on my terms, but on your terms. Somebody wants to come back to the piano. We're going to throw the wheels out. I had this, I felt this so strong today in prayer. Because what, what, what you're about to see happen, it ain't got nothing to do with the fact that Brother Vincent's been here and Brother Vincent's the one that's done it and blah, blah, blah. I ain't worried about all that junk. I'm telling you, you may not even, you, you, you may be thinking that MPC is just in its mechanical stage and that we come in and we do the same thing over and over and over again every Sunday, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Tuesday night. Every now and then we'll have a blowout service. Every now and then God will move and it's fantastic. But then by the next service we're coming in and we're just gliding right back in, just going right back through the motions like we always do. Nobody, We come up to the front, we worship just a little bit. We don't push it too far because if we push it too far, I'm too tired, I can't be doing that tonight. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta kind of keep it controlled. We gotta, we gotta kind of, turn it down a little bit. We've been up to an 11, but let's turn it back to a six so that we can enjoy it 
and then just go back home and say that we had good church tonight and then we'll wake up tomorrow and we'll, we'll, we'll go through our routines the rest of the week and come right back to church and, and maybe Sunday morning I'll be in a better mood and we can have a rocking service. But if I'm not, I'll make sure that I'm up here and I'm, do, I'm going through what I'm supposed to but just kind of turn it down a little bit again because I had a rough night last night and I didn't sleep good and, and, and we're just, that, that, that's kind of what, what I felt it, it just in being here these last couple of services. The adversary has wanted you to get stuck in a cycle he's wanted you to get stuck in this cycle of everything just being the same but can I tell you the Lord has had you here for a reason it ain't got nothing to do with because the pastor's sitting right here but I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost what I have felt what I have seen is that this pastor is up on the mountain right now this Lord Jesus, he may not even know it just yet, but the Lord has got some things, some secrets in the word he's wanting to reveal. You think your pastor's been the best preacher you've ever heard up to this point? You just wait until he comes off the mountain. You wait until he comes down after God's been talking to him and giving him word and instilling something fresh in him. The Lord is looking to take this church to that next level, to that next destination. But you're not going to get there until the pastor comes back down to lead you there. And the last thing that you need to be doing while the pastor is receiving that from the mountain is coming in and just having church like normal and just doing what you've always done. You need to treat this season like it's that launching point. You need to treat this season like to the next service is going to be the breakthrough. The next service is going to be the one that explodes. You need to come in and you need to say, God, I know we've been doing the same thing over and over and over again, but we're going to get in this altar and we're going to push anyways. We're going to worship anyways. We're going to dance anyways. We're going to shout anyways because we need it. Growing up, I rode the school bus to school. And my nickname on the school bus was Cheddarpuff. I liked Cheetos and I had asthma. I remember, I remember some mornings my, grand, my great great grandfather planted an apple tree right next to the road across from my house growing up on our farm and I'm going to tell y'all during that harvest season of apples my grandmother would holler at my granddaddy and say Charlie go up there and get you some apples I'm going to cook you some and I would tell my grandpa all the time if she's cooking you something, she's cooking me something. I'll hit an old man. <laughs> I'll do it. But I remember watching my grandfather. He'd go up there. He'd, he'd nail some tobacco sticks together and put a big old soup can on the end of it. And he'd take that pole and he'd start at the very top of the tree and shake them apples out and fill up five-gallon buckets full of apples. He'd carry two and I'd carry two. He'd carry them down to the house. And y'all, I'm telling you, when my grandmother got a hold of them, these were not the apples that you just, it'd turn your face backwards. Lord have mercy. Woo. The sourest things you've ever had in your life. But when my, my grandmother got a hold of those apples, there was nothing she couldn't cook. 
She'd make some of those fried apple turnovers. She'd, she'd do some fried apples next to some chicken, homemade apple dumplings, homemade apple ice cream. My Lord, she'd can them. She'd make applesauce. I'd eat the applesauce like it was ice cream. I just, jar gone. <laughs> Give me five minutes, nanny, it's gone. <laughs> there was no end to the possibilities of production. There was no end to the possibilities of, of what could be accomplished through that fruit that was given in its appropriate season. But I remember getting on the school bus one time and looking up and, and all the apples had been picked. The limbs were bare. It was cold. It, was, it had already reached the point where the tree just looked like it was, it was a nuisance. The best thing that could happen now, there's, there's no apples, there's no fruit. It's not gonna grow anything now for another six months or so. What's the point? Why? It's just taking up space. Best thing we can do is just chop it down. It's over. The season's over. And even during the winter, the snow would just pile up on top of that thing. Nothing. It sat there by itself with no, no purpose whatsoever. And I, I remember asking the Lord one time, God, how bored that tree has to be after it has given all its effort into its fruit. Its fruit has been picked. Its fruit has been utilized and multiplied for the use of others. And now it's just sitting there, empty, barren. Nothing going on, nothing happening. At no point could that tree say, well, since I'm not growing no apples, I'm just gonna switch to pumpkins. It couldn't decide out of nowhere. I'm, if apples ain't gonna grow, I'm just gonna pop out some blueberries. It can't change its fruit, even in its barren season. At no point could the tree decide, well, since there's no activity happening here, I'm just gonna pick myself up and go down the road where something is happening. I remember asking God, what, what, what is that tree thinking? If it could think, what, what is that tree thinking in that season? Its arms are stretched out and there's nothing happening. Nothing is there. Nothing interesting's happening. No, nothing that's of benefit to anybody. It's just taking up space. No leaves, no fruit, no blossoms. And the Lord spoke to me. While everybody else sees the barrenness and everybody else sees that there's no fruit and no production, nothing good coming from it, nothing happening at all. While everybody sees the empty branches in, in its season of barrenness, what we don't see is that that tree is digging its roots deeper. Oh God, it is digging itself deeper down because it knows, my Lord, the tree knows that when the next season comes, if my roots are deeper, I'll be able to produce more the next season. When my next season comes around, I'll be able to do more than I've ever done before. I'll be more effective than I have ever been before. There'll be more use out of my fruit than there has ever been before that when the next season comes I'll sprout out some new branches if I have to because there's so much fruit 
MPC, I'm here to tell you, I know that it seems like you might have been through some, some barren patches and some rough seasons and not a whole lot's been happening and, and this church is out in the middle of nowhere, right? Ain't nothing special gonna happen here. I'm telling you what I felt in the Holy Ghost. Your season is about to sprout. Your season is about to blossom and the Lord is looking for somebody that when you're at the bottom of the mountain in a season of waiting, are you gonna build an idol or are you gonna dig your roots deeper? Are you going to build an idol that you can control and have church the way you want to? Or are you going to pray and dig yourself deeper, deeper in the Word, deeper in the relationship with God? There's some production, some things that have yet to be birthed out of this church that's coming around in this season. And it is not going to happen if I'm too bored. It is not going to happen if I've reached the place where we've topped it out, we're done. We've, we've reached that level and we're just going to sit back and just enjoy good church. Can we stand tonight? You want to know what would have happened? Here, here's, here's my theory. This is not in scripture, but this is my theory. Had the children of Israel at that moment while Moses was on the mountain getting the word, while pastor was being downloaded onto the tablet, a fresh word from God that would lead the people out of the valley, out of the season of waiting into the greatest promise they could have ever imagined, where the grapes were as big enough that they had to be carried between two people where the land was flowing with milk and with honey. Had the children of Israel at the bottom of the mountain decided, you know what, while Moses is up there hearing from God, why don't we have a prayer meeting? Why don't we join together in unity down here at the bottom of the mountain and we press into our own type of atmosphere with God and we begin to pray to the God that, that caused the plagues to happen to get them chains off of us and got rid of the whips that were on our back and fed us with vanilla wafers and led us with the cloud by day and a fire by night, parted the Red Sea. Let's pray to Him. Let's pray and unify together because I want to hear what God's telling Moses. I want to hear it. Had the children of Israel got down and began to pray and got unified, it wouldn't have taken them another 40 years to get to the promise. They would have reached the edge of the promise. Those 12 spies would have went in and they would have said, you know, I know the giants are tall. I know the walls of the cities are big. I know the armies are many, but thank God we got a hold of something down there in our season of waiting that tells me we are well able. And every spy would have come back and said, said let's go let's go let's go and possess it but instead at the bottom of the mountain let's build a God on our terms that'll do what we want him to do can we lift our hands in the house right now I feel the Holy Ghost the last thing that needs to be happening at the bottom of the mountain is drama. While the, while the man of God is up on the mountain hearing a word from the Lord to bring us out of the season we've been in, I don't want to be the one stirring up drama. 
I don't want to be the busybody in the camp that's around trying to get in everybody's business. I want to be in the prayer room. I want to be the one on my face praying for God to pour something out on our church. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I know we're tired tonight. I know we're tired and we want to go home. We want to get in the bed. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what I have felt in the Holy Ghost. You may not have that full confidence in my ministry. Don't trust me. Trust in what God is saying right now. In the Holy Ghost, I believe it. I've seen it. I feel it. The Lord is about to launch this church into a place. God. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.